welcome to Smart Bear Live with Jason Cohen, brought to you by SoftwarePromotions.com. In this episode, we have a collection of shorter questions and answers from an Arizona Disruptors meeting. If you enjoy this podcast, then I have a favor to ask of you. Please give a quick thank you to our sponsor, Software Promotions. All you have to do is tweet thank you at the Dave Collins for sponsoring Smart Bear Live. I've got a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Dave is the founder of Software Promotions, and your tweeting him lets us know that people are listening and that his generous sponsorship of the show is raising awareness for his company as well. Dave is a great guy, and we'll get him on the show soon. Hey, Jason. Hey, what's the name of the company? Uh, name of the company is Member Desk. Member Desk? Yeah. You know, my daughter, she's only two, and uh, member is how she says remember. So it makes me <laughs> think of how you remember something. But that's not most people. So uh, Member Desk sounds like um, you run some kind of organization, and the front desk is sort of a metaphor for a lot of stuff. There's a sign-up sheet for volunteer stuff. There's scheduling. There's, I don't know, me- membership stuff, dues. There's just stuff. And most organizations uh, are bad at it and don't have someone devoted to it. So Member Desk is a virtual, and yet it can also be physical, uh, literally sitting there in the front of the co-working space. Um, uh, uh, inexpensive way to do that for pretty much any organization. That, that's, that's pretty decently close, actually. Right. So what is it really? So uh, MemberDesk is hosted membership site software that lets people sell premium digital content online without dealing with any of the technical stuff. What, is, uh, what does premium te- digital content mean? So videos, music, uh, one perfect example is… Why is that premium? Um, because you're not giving it away for free. You want people to pay for it. And oh, premium means for money. For money, yeah. So selling music… Music, video. Because you said digital media, premium digital media, so I didn't get selling music out of that. Yeah, that's one of the possibilities. Selling music, selling video, selling stuff that can be delivered electronically, but you want to make money. Mm -hmm. Aren't there a bunch of companies who deliver stuff electronically and let you make money on it? There's a difference. Basically, MemberDesk creates a membership site for you where people will pay you, say, on a monthly basis, right? You know, $10 a month, $50 a month, whatever. And then they get a username and password to access their membership site. And then they get access to all the content that you've allowed them access to based oh, on how long so this they've is been a, a member. Okay. So this is a paywall type thing. So this is like what Andrew Warner does with Mixergy where if you sign up to be a member and you pay monthly, then you have access to the whole archives and all this other stuff and da-da-da-da. You're in once you pay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and so this is a way for anybody to just implement that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that it, sounds good. It could work for anybody, but what we're doing right now um, is we're focusing on the music industry uh, mm-hmm. because we're actually running the premium fan site for the 70s band Chicago right now, and mm-hmm. they're super happy with it. So we've decided to focus on musicians because musicians have a ton of content that can be sold digitally. And that kind of leads into my question because music and all content really is pretty tough industry. So my question is, how do you get to the people that you need to talk to in these kinds of industries? How do you get to the decision makers when they have so many people guarding the door? They do. They do. And and when you get into music or Hollywood, it's the worst, right? Like at least at IBM, you're trying to get into IBM, but you know what titles to go for and you can find them on LinkedIn and they have admins, but you can get around those admins and all that Hollywood and music. Like you can't call Madonna. That's never ever going to happen, yeah. right? It's really, I mean, those kind of industries are very much, you know, who do you know and that kind of stuff, unfortunately. So actually I, I have been um, advising a company in Austin that is also in the music industry and they actually 
started something started with an idea not dissimilar from what you described, but they're not doing it now. They now do uh, merchant extra merchandise, so fans selling other fans' merchandise that they made, but this time with IP uh, uh, rights and everybody makes money, which is pretty cool. But they have the exact same problem, that they have to sell the band on it. One thing I learned from there is that the manager is the first step. If the band members want to do it, that's fine, but A, they're harder to find anyway, and B, the manager often is the one controlling how the money works. And so if the manager's on board, you probably get a shot. And if not, you probably don't, regardless of the band. So that's so managers, that's one thing. And the good thing about managers is that they manage multiple bands and all the managers know each other too. Oh, that's great. And so the good news is like if you can get your wedge in there, you know, one manager levers you into a bunch of bands, which is already like really nice and that therefore more worth your effort. Mm-hmm. And it's easier once you're entrenched that you could be this person doing this. But, you know, if it were easy to, to break in with a product for the music industry, which, you know, it's sort of like, I got a game. How do I get people to know about it? It's like, it's a game. It's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. expensive. Like, it, it, there isn't an easy, cheap way to make everybody know about a game because everyone's making a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's not going to be a pat answer. But I wonder if one answer could be that there's, there are these other technology companies like this one I'm talking about. It's called BitVibe. BitVibe, Okay. Where they have they they do have some some uh, traction, and I wonder, you know, another technology company in which you are uh, you don't compete, so that you know them doing one means they wouldn't do the other, and yet you're both going after the same people. I wonder if it would be useful to team up with one of them, not to merge companies or anything like that, mm-hmm. but simply to say, look, we're we're all trying to get in here. We don't compete. Maybe we should try to share some of this as we go because we're all trying to do this. That could work. Although people are usually pretty, pretty, uh, you know, uh, tight about that. That's true. The way Bitvibe broke in is that the co-founder is the drummer for um, several really big bands that you've heard of from the '80s. Right. Um, and uh, right now he's in Greg Raleigh band, which is Greg Raleigh's the other guy in uh, Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. So you know, pretty top, like not A plus list, but you know, enough. Nice. And so. But the answer is the co-founder has been in the industry for 30 years and is somebody, and so they can get meetings. So, it, you know, like in most things, it's who you know and networking and, you know, just finding out the next person in line, the next person in line. You know, I think most startups are not like that. You know, in other words, if you look at the most startups on earth, th- their success is not dependent on who they know. But in music and film, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I know people who just break into music and don't know anybody and have no ins. That's a tough one. Hamid, do you have any insight in this? Um, it's kind of interesting. So MemberDesk is actually an AZ Disruptors company, the incubator that we have going on here. So Leon and I have met numerous times about like marketing strategy and the music one is one that uh, developed after Chicago became a, a, a customer. But um, right. But until they had become a customer, I think the thought was that uh, the site might be used more for uh people who have very popular blogs uh, or they have uh, content that they write about, about sports or medicine or, or you know, whatever uh, topic that they become an expert on. Um, and, and then over time, they start building a library of that content that they then sell as a monthly subscription of some kind. Um, or, uh, you know, maybe they have forums that they uh, have premium access to for, uh, for, the, for the members. So, um, so that was sort of the direction that mm-hmm. we had thought about going in. And, uh, it, and it's just hard to sort of uh, figure out uh, the marketing strategy around that. Exactly. One of the things is that, you know, it's software that can be used by pretty much anybody. So how do you narrow it down? 
How do you focus? Yeah, I think you do have to focus. You probably don't have enough time and money and energy to go after multiple markets at the same time. So having Chicago, that, you know, that's fantastic. And again, if you're successful with them, if they show success, which they have a big enough fan base that they're, they're very you should happy be able so far. to. They may be happy, but if you can show sort of objective success, like, look, Chicago had, I'm just making this up now, 200,000 people on their email list. Mm-hmm. They had 77,000 people in their fan club, which, by the way, was you know people literally mailing in their things and getting stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they've successfully moved most of those people to this, and they're now making monthly money and more money than ever before because of this. And now they're all digital, and it's now so easy to do that. Mm-hmm. And you have that complete story. I don't know why their manager wouldn't go push you onto the other bands that they manage. It's more money for everybody. Like, yeah. how, why would this not happen? And so I think you can use this again as a wedge and, and go from there if you really focus on knocking this out of the park. Not just they're happy, but you, the next person has to be bowled over, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Alternately, if you wanted to go after this other stuff, I, I think you certainly can. I think that, it, it, you know, that makes sense, that market. And it's even pretty obvious how to find those people. They sort of, there's like some standard places that everybody like that reads. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people who read Copyblogger are the kind of people that might do that. And Copyblogger does guest posts and does other things that, you know, that would you could insinuate yourself in. Um, there are even conferences or unconferences that you could go to where those kind of folks are. Mm-hmm. There's people like, um, the guy behind I Will Teach You To Be Rich, I forgot his name. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, Ramit. Just now. Ramit. Ramit. You know, uh, you know that, like he's a conduit to this. And he, first of all, he's a perfect customer for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, he, well, we don't need to go deep in that. He may not be just because of his particular style. But what he definitely is is the kind of guy that if he, were, if he got behind this and explained this as a strategy, uh-huh. he might be able to put a thousand people in your lap. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So – um, so, so going after those kind of the influencers of those people, um, like like Ramit, the you know. So in other words, it's I think it is actually pretty clear how you would go after that sort of thing. That's a growing market. There's a lot of people who are experts that have a book that want to make money in other ways, just like this. Uh, Bob Walsh is another one who is sort of plugged into that kind of world and is helping other people through that kind of thing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's there's definitely places. You know, the fact that Andrew Warner is doing this at the moment, he's obviously got an implementation already, but he would have probably used this had it been had it been available. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, know if you've heard, Louis C.K. just came out with a yeah, I did actually video yeah. with the same exact model. The same thing, right? It, it was just five bucks, period. But how much better would it be if it was five bucks a month? Yeah, <laughs> right. He'd be under the gun to produce. Uh, more content, I guess, but um, I don't know. As fans of of Louis C.K., maybe you do it right, like because you're fans. If you're a big you know, fan, could, you would. Could, what about Adam Carolla? You know, I, I could totally see like some kind of special in with Adam Carolla. Or another example would be like uh, this week in startups where they have the producers thing. It's the same thing. It's an exclusive club. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any but any say podcast or maybe blogger, but podcast uh, for sure like them that's over a certain number of, of listeners and, and that's not a million people but it's <laughs> a thousand yeah and you know how to find them because just go look at iTunes and go through the top lists and just go so you know I, I think it's pretty clear how you'd reach out and do that but it's a whole different thing than trying to make Chicago work yeah exactly so I do think you have to decide for now like that doesn't mean you can't decide that nah screw it let's go after the other one yeah <laughs> Right, you can do that anytime you please, and that's okay. But I think you have to decide now. But breaking in, you know, but the, of course, breaking in the, at the very beginning is hardest in any industry for any startup. Of course, it's a huge challenge. Of course, yeah. there's no easy answer. But I'll give you one other possible answer because um, you're talking about breaking. When you say break in, it usually means at the top. Yeah. How do I get in front of, uh, you know, Lady Gaga's manager? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you know how to, right? 
So there is the other direction, and it's harder, but it's sort of if you can do it, then you're in the driver's seat and you can just do it, which is to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Go after the Lady Gaga fans somehow directly and make the unofficial Lady Gaga fan club, which they pay for. And when they come knocking on your door saying, there's thousands of people. We're getting emails all the time. They're paying money. Who the hell are you? You say, you're right. I don't want to own this. I want, you to, I want you to own this. I was just trying to get your attention. Now, let's talk about how we can – you can actually promote this and take it from 1,000 people to 100,000 people and we can all make a bunch of money. No, See what I mean? Now, it's, it, I, I don't know that that's easier because it's a <laughs> bunch of consumers. How do you reach them? I yeah. don't know. They don't, they, don't, you know, they don't go to the – they don't read Hacker News. So like, I, I don't know. That, that's not necessarily a great idea. But it's a brainstorm of you can go the other way to get their attention p- potentially. It's great. I like that. Something to look into might not be easier, but something to look into. Yeah, it may, you know, it may be easier for a particular band or something. Like, there's some reason why you have an in with one, you know, an in with the fan groups of one of them. Hmm. Like, uh, there's a local chapter guy, and he thinks this is the best thing ever. You're like, well, then get your local chapter on, and he does. And so, in other words, it, it could, it still might be just a wedge to get in, but you may, you may that guy's easier to find. The the chapter organizer of. Um, of the Lady Gaga fan club in Arizona, that person you can locate and, and you can talk to that person. So, you know, they're not as powerful, but you at least you can talk to them. That's true. Hey, Jason Patrick, sorry. Um, going in the other direction, I thought you were going to say go after smaller bands that have more immediately to gain. So, like, I mean, there's bands who play for a thousand people a night mm-hmm. who might really need the money that this generated. What do you think about going uh, after smaller bands instead of huge acts? For sure. It's always easier to get at the smaller people. There's probably some cliff where the amount of money they could generate is actually not that interesting. Yeah. You know, and and they probably don't have a very good – well, some of them might have a good connection with their fans and be able to move them to do it. But another thing I learned is that a lot of these big bands, they have a ton of fans, but they really don't know how to message them. Yeah, that's true. They may have them in Twitter followers. They probably don't. They may have a mailing list. It's probably not, it's probably like not even an order of magnitude around where the number of fans they actually have. Mm-hmm. If they're really organized, they have a, a fan club, and, and uh, Chicago probably does because they're so big and, and organized. Mm-hmm. Um, but the smaller ones sh- surely don't. So maybe if you found the smaller bands who are also really good at communicating with their community, yeah. that might be a good sweet spot because then they may be able to get a thousand people to pay them five bucks a month, and that's pretty good. Yeah, for a band that's great, you know. But it's possible. I mean, it'd be easy to talk to very little bands and just see. I just feel like the amount of revenue for you is very little. The amount of training and selling is very high. So I don't see that as a, again, as a stepping stone, okay, maybe. But even so, like if you have little piddly bands that that go around and don't make a lot of money, I I still don't see how that leads you to the managers of the big bands and convincing them that they will make a lot of money. I don't think one leads to the other. So I'm not sure you're, you're making that much progress. Okay. Uh, that direction, but maybe medium. I'm, I'm not sure. Like this is still outside my, <laughs> you know. I don't know that much about the market. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really know how those <laughs> behaviors go. That's all great. Thanks for all those ideas. Oh, by the way, one last one is: if you find a power manager that runs 40 people and they actually give you the time of day and think it's pretty cool, take them into the fold so that they're personally they personally want to do this. Give them, you know, a small percentage of the company, but they have to bring in, you know, not for nothing. They have to, you know, contingent upon them bringing 10 bands or a certain amount of revenue. I don't know. Something that you would then say, oh, man, is that worth it? Okay. You know, because then they're personally motivated to do this for you. Not, Not even just for money, but now it's... 
pride and them telling everybody how they're an investor in this hot tech startup and all this garbage, mm-hmm. that's what you're also giving them so that they want to go do this for that's you. That's great. If that helps you mint the company, it's totally worth, you know, I don't know, 5% of the company. Yeah, sure. If that lands for 10 big acts and gets the ball rolling, gives you legitimacy and blah, 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 and he can pick up the phone, my God, that's, that's clearly worth it. That's great. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Thanks, okay. Leon. Thank Thanks, you. Leon. Thank you very much. All right. Jason, how you doing? My question is, on, what's your opinion on co-founders? So the company I'm in now is not a software company, and I'm really interested in that space. I have degrees in computer science and networking, but I haven't kept up on the latest technologies. Um, so anyways, what, what's your opinion on finding a co-founder, like somebody that's more of a technical person versus just learning the new technologies myself and uh, implementing something? Well, I think the, the decision of having a co-founder or not is very personal. Yeah. I don't think there's answers or industries or things. I feel like some people, probably me, um, are just too much of a control freak to really have a co-founder. Right. And then there's other people who are only comfortable with a co-founder. And of course, there's the usual pros and cons, right? Like with more people who are not taking salary, uh, you can literally do twice as much. And that's really important for an early stage startup to be able to move as fast as possible, et cetera, et cetera. But you also have to agree on things and this and that. But also when you go through the down and ups uh, with someone else, that's, that's just so much better than having to rough it on your own. It is rough to do it by yourself. Uh, but then again, if, especially looking ahead to what does it mean when you start taking salary and, and how do you di- di- divide up the company and, our peop- and what if it goes sour, which it often, often does uh, in three years, what happens? And if you sell the company, can you sell it for enough that everyone's still – so, you know, it, again, it's just there's clearly pros and cons. So – uh, I guess I don't understand what um, the the context in which you're you're asking. Are you just you're saying you haven't kept up with the technology? So should you go find someone who has? That doesn't seem like a good reason to do anything. Well, I mean, it's yeah. There's the the part of that is should I find somebody that is up on the latest technology? So then I don't have Why? to waste a year. Well, well, who cares? Why do you need to make a company on the latest technology? Well, I'm talking web development. I haven't really developed any web applications. It's a web app that I want to do. So or so you've never done a web app and you want to make a web app company? Yeah. Then I would get someone else uh, yeah, that, who, who's done it. Or decide that this is going to take a long time, which is okay. Is it okay if this takes a long time or is this a race? Yeah, no, there's no race. So. Oh, well then then you can decide, right? Because you, you could get someone and then, and then you go faster or you could say, no, I want to learn this and I don't, I'm, there's no time pressure. So I'll simply take a long time to build it and who cares? Yeah, okay. The, the other thing to consider is, is it, a, is it going to be a technology company or are you building a web app to service a non-tech field? Um, and that's sort of an interesting, interesting thing because if you're building a, a web application that could sort of not be on the latest technologies and have the greatest whiz-bang UI interfaces and uh, the greatest user experience, but you're servicing this market that uh, is way underserved. Yeah. Uh, then one thing that you might be able to do is uh, is outsource the development costs of it. I, I don't know what uh, your sort of investment potential is, but right. uh, but if you're trying to build a technology company um, without having a technology co-founder, uh, I think that would be a huge problem. I agree. Thanks. Hi. Hi. 
All right. So the name of my company is networkingphoenix.com. Yeah, folks who have common interests and want to find each other in the, in the interest groups that they could go to can find each other on this uh, centralized location. Very good. I'll give you an A. So basically what it is is it's a website and we compile and promote all the different business networking events in town on the calendar. So the core of the site is the calendar and the reason people come to the site is because of the calendar. And then we have different things built around it. So when you land on the site and you try to click on anything, it'll let you view the event once, but then it says, hey, if you want to see more events, now you got to create a profile. So they go to create, it's a free, and it's free. It's like LinkedIn, right? right? So you create a free profile, okay. you promote your business, you know, whatever you want to promote. Um, and now you're in my database. As of, so we're three years old, we've got about uh, almost 20,000 members. Wow. Um, we are actually one of the, one of the most popular lo- local websites here in Arizona. Yeah. And four times a year, we do these big networking events where we get about 1,500 to 2,000 people attending. Wow. <laughs> where do you do that? Uh, resorts here in Phoenix. Oh, wow. That's we, cool. Glad you think it's cool. How much do you charge them to attend one of these events? Well, it's free. No. No, it's free for them to attend. Well, it's not free for the sponsors and the people that exhibit these events. Oh, yeah, but man, even if it was five bucks. (laughs) Right. Everybody says that. But that's why nobody has events as big as ours because everybody gets greedy and wants to charge, right? Fair enough. This is where we uh, we're different. So, but you did you make some money on the event? She answers that. You know, know, like she she's like, (laughs) bam. You know, like no, no, that's good. No, exactly. She knows her business. It's very good. I mean, you could still have premium members who decide they want to, just like LinkedIn, right? Wait, you pay wait, and you wait, get a little wait. So, star. Right. So I was going to say the core so You of make the money business. on these events, right? You, I mean, because of the sponsors, but you make money on these events, Correct. right? Correct. Um, the core of the business, though, like the revenue model. So yeah. it's free to join, but then there's the optional paid membership. Right. All right. So it's $10 a month. You sign up. Then, we, you know, the monthly and then we have an annual. But you can attend other organizations' events for free. So I negotiate the free tickets, right? So I just become this middle person. And right. um, so you sign up for free. Then you get your passport. And now you can attend different chamber mixers and all this other good stuff, different educational seminars. So in a nutshell, it – How many people do that? Um, right now we have just, just over 1,000. And we haven't had – I mean, we've had the product out for about a year and a half. Well, that's a long so. time. It is a long time. And so we've been watching the trend, right? So when do they sign up? Why do they sign up? Why do they drop off? You know, so there's there's definitely things we know we need to improve on, but we haven't been like, I haven't had the data, right? So I, I didn't know. And now that I do know, we're kind of getting into that phase of, okay, now we have to take this product and uh, fill in all the different gaps, right? So why are all these people falling off? Well, the good thing is a lot of them actually tell us why they're leaving. So we know we can improve. But that's not really – so my question to you is, um, yeah. so where I am in the business is, so we want to expand, right? So we want to take this to different cities and keeping it – keeping that local feel. So we've got Networking Phoenix, you know, Networking San Diego, Networking whatever, fill in the city. So we're kind of trying to put it – you know, systemizing everything. But what I'm struggling with, so going into year three, because everybody's been – doing their own thing, right? I'm actually very fortunate because I've had the same employees pretty much since day one. Um, on one hand, that's good. On the other hand, that's bad because I don't really know what they do on a daily basis. So we're trying to systemize it. So, But I know I'm like half 10 minutes here. So actually, I'm not going to ask you that question we're going with because I'm more interested in my other question, which is um, how do I build a board of ad- advisors? Okay, so this is kind of like a few part questions I'm going to ask you and then you can give me your overall 
thought process. So I'm looking to build a board of advisors because I kind of need a sounding board um, or I feel like I could use a sounding board. And then really, why would somebody want to be on my board, right? Because I've met with a few VCs and angels and I'm not really looking for money as of right now, but I always just kind of like to bounce ideas off of them. And they're like, well, you know, if you're talking to me, that means, you know, and I'm a VC, that means I'm going to want to invest and blah, blah, blah. But then they say, but not everybody would want to invest. So, okay, so how do I find these people? And well, what do you what want them to do? Like I need like a sounding board, right? Because I need to be able to Well, then to just talk. find – you're a networker. You know 20,000 people. Correct. I'm serious. So Correct. what you need is to find people who – like Hamid who are – you know, they're – they're kind of they're business savvy. Right. They're interested in this for, uh, for whatever reason. They 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 also want you to succeed. They like you like you personally, and that's it. Then they'll be a good sounding board. Okay, right. But I mean, not like how do I approach them? But yes, kind of. How do I approach them? Only because I've never like been in the situation, and I I mean, you're a networker. Listen, I know, but. I get it. I can approach a lot of people, but I'm not going to approach a lot of people. I, I take cash. If you <laughs> just yeah, stacks and <laughs> I don't. I don't see. I don't see what the why, dilemma is. You, why? You why would they say, want to be on my board? Okay, there's this. Like, why would they want to be on my board? So maybe you can give me some insight. Is it because they just want to put their name on something cool or what? The problem that you're describing is one that a lot of uh, you know founders have. Jason, maybe you can sort of elaborate on this. But uh, I think it's difficult to ask people, even if those people would be more than willing to do it for free or, you know, to spend their time uh, making other people successful because, you know, somebody helped them along the way. But it is difficult to ask. And and that's one of the things that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to sort of get over the hurdle that you have to get over that um, how do you get over sort of you know, like, how do I approach this person right. to ask, and what are they going to think of me? Right. You know, because yeah, because there's a million people that I'm sure will want to well, do it, hold but on, I don't hold on. want them on the board. You don't, right. You don't seem like you have a problem approaching people and talking to people <laughs> or, I'm saying what, or saying whatever you think. Okay, so that's not the problem. You're are you right. afraid that like they don't they uh, wh- why would they volunteer their time what's in it for them yes. is that what you're worried yes. about yes well okay number one who cares as long as they want to do it it's okay okay number two people do it because it is fun for people who are doers and uh, and are intelligent and like thinking about problems to hang out with other people who are like that and to see those things happen that is just fun that's life right it is fun in life um, yeah. Imagine how many emails I get asking to pick my brain about this or that, right? And everyone, and of course, so the automatic answer is no because who, because of the time, just time. That, but every once in a while, I say yes. And why do I say yes? Because that person just seems like they'd be interesting, and they're doing something cool, and they seem like they're they're not they're they're serious, which you obviously are because you got a going concern and all that. Um, you just want to. What well, I'll, I'll put it this way: all these organizations and stuff where people are obviously you know, a net loss in time and money for pretty much any organization in town that you work, that you send people to. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing that? Cause they want to hang out with people and uh, who are, who are interested in that thing and talk about it. That's why they're doing it. One of the things that, uh, I've done, uh, a, a few years back, um, a couple of, uh, uh, me and a buddy who happens to also have a software company, we were talking and, and, uh, we thought exactly the same thing. It would be great if we could have a sort of advisory board, and we ended up talking to uh, five, other, inviting five other people, uh, and they happen to be from all over the country, uh, that also have software companies to a uh, joint meeting in Las Vegas that we were going to spend a day talking about our businesses. Mm-hmm. And that meeting turned into it. You know, now we've been doing it for five years. Every five six months, we go, we travel to a city of one of the companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be Dallas or uh, uh, Toronto in Canada, 
or Florida or Boston, where each of the companies are, and we become each other's sort of sounding boards and advisory mm -hmm. boards for a day. Mm -hmm. um, and we take turns going around the, around the table. So one, uh, one way would potentially be a mutual, mutually beneficial thing rather than just simply incoming advice, right? Uh, rather than a, bo a board of advisors that's just for you, mm -hmm. what about a board of peers that, you know, you give them just as much advice as they give you? And that sort of worked, worked out really well for us. You know, so that, that's another thing to consider, another way to go. Yeah, I agree 100%. I know quite a few people who do that. Usually it's local just because it's easier, right? You just find other local entrepreneurs right. that you can just meet with once a month. Well, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. It's hard oftentimes local, yeah. but even if it's, if it's international, or like not international, but if, even if it's national, you know, our trips cost about $1,000 per trip, you know, like, and we do it every three, four, five months. So let's say three times a year, I spend $1,000 on a trip. So that's $3,000 a, a year on a sort of an amazing sort of uh, meeting that I couldn't have locally because those companies don't exist locally. I, right. I can't find seven other software companies about my size. Right, right. Well, that, you know, that's that, actually that's my point is that, yeah, you're right, there are a lot of people, but <coughs> I, they, I don't want to talk to them. You right. Know, because it's unsolicited <laughs> advice and more than anything. Look, you want I think to what you should so. do is decide who are the people that would be perfect for right. the board. Which was and then just go ask them to be so, on it. And so. then when they say yes, you can ask them why them. And that would be the <laughs> Why are I mean, you wanting to do this? This is really easy. I don't no, know. But like, well, but no, but it's good for me to get like some feedback and insight on it just because, like I said, I don't know. This is like a new arena and I typically don't like to talk to people about my business in details. You know, like I just, I mean, I have certain people I talked about it, not, you know, not bringing outsiders in. And so, you know, the, the few times I did venture into that world, it was kind of ugly, like, cause maybe I met with some wrong beasts. Yeah, I don't know, you're just, you're just, uh, I don't know, justifying something, just do it already. You said you want a board advisor, so go get one. And if you're not comfortable right. with it, then don't do it. I mean, just, just do it. And then you can ask them why. By the way, I, I know we gotta go, uh, yeah. but. You got to charge more than ten dollars per person because right now you're making ten grand a month off of that, and that's not enough, especially if you want to, especially if you want to spread out to other cities because uh, there's no. I mean, to what end? So you can hire one more person? I mean, um, it's it, it. It'll turn back on. It just that. Uh, that doesn't tried, make any sense. You know, to me. We, that's actually interesting feedback, and we tried doing that, and it did not work as well as $10. We actually make more money charging at $10 because more people sign up and stay longer than at... Okay. Well, so. that's fine. But then some other way you need to be making more money or else I don't know why you're even there's, going to... There's, I mean, that's not the only revenue stream. That's just... I mean, that's the core of it. But the thing is, I have. I mean, I have 20,000 people to sell to and I haven't even had a marketing program for it. It just runs Well, maybe itself. you should do that before you expand into other cities. Absolutely. In other words, you haven't figured out this model yet that's right, really right, right. throwing off money. So we're not expanding tomorrow, but in order to expand, and you know, so this is exactly why I'm looking for you know, place people around me so I can actually bounce things off other people. Because I, I haven't had that this whole time. So Your, your first your first step is to systemize everything. Exactly. And, and then, right, which is what I was starting with is because we need to just get the system down. and More money. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. like I said, like there hasn't even been a marketing program for this right. passport program. All right, I'm taking up cool. too much time. <laughs> no, yeah, Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Gail. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Smart Bear Live with Jason Cohen. Brought to you by SoftwarePromotions.com. Be sure to visit SmartBearLive.com to listen to more shows and find out how you can speak with Jason on a future show. 